Sometimes we choose joy after losing a competition where everything seemed to be at stake. Sometimes we choose joy after failing a final exam or not receiving a desired promotion. But today's guest chose joy in order to conquer the most difficult journey of her life. Keep listening to hear about her experiences competing on a D1 team, fighting as a woman in the sports tech industry, and battling cancer, all while seamlessly radiating joy. Thank you for tuning in to Bench. This is your host, Jules Makia, and I'm stoked to announce our guest for today. Her name's Nina Luker. Nina's a former rower at Carolina. She graduated it in 2018. She was on the women's rowing team, as I mentioned, um, and graduated from the School of Media and Journalism with a concentration in advertising and a minor in entrepreneurship. After graduation, she moved to New York City and worked in sports tech and then digital marketing. Nina, thanks so much for joining us. We'd love to hear more about your journey so far. Yeah, well, thank you, Jules. This is an honor to be here. Uh, just to start off, I think having a platform to discuss journeys, hardship, challenges is so critical. So, so excited to share a little bit about my journey. So if we kind of go back, I, like Jules said, graduated in, in 2018. I was recruited to row at the University of North Carolina and I started my rowing career pretty early. I started as a freshman in high school. I actually had a memory of myself training for the soccer team and having to run a specific mile time and I couldn't get it. So I was like, oh, I'll just try rowing. Little did I know rowing would become one of the hardest sports I could have ever picked. Um, But it brought me to Carolina and I studied at the media media and journalism school, Um, chose to do advertising because I wanted to have a more creative impact in business. And then actually my junior year, kind of fast forwarding pretty quickly, I rode all three years, was in the varsity eight, um, my sophomore and junior year, and then tore my left hip labrum. And um, for those of you who are familiar with the injury, it's really hard to get surgery. And if you do it, the recovery time is super long. So I had to make the very challenging decision to step away from rowing and really focus on my health. So my junior year, I stopped rowing and kind of threw myself into schoolwork as well as what I wanted to do after college. WIST stands for Women in Sports Tech. I was approached by a mentor of mine. Her name is Mary Lou McFarlane. She has two daughters who went to UNC. Both were on the women's soccer team. And she's been in sports tech her whole career. And she actually found me through what was called and is called to this day the Adams Apprenticeship. It's a very uh, small incubator group of both undergrad and graduate students who are looking to start their own career in entrepreneurship. Um, So I was paired with Mary Lou and she had the most brilliant idea of putting together a nonprofit that helped women in the sports tech industry. Because if you take both sports and you take technology, 
the amount of females in that space is so limited. So I'm so proud to say it is actually one of the leading nonprofits in this space today. It's currently running. We had 15 females, both undergrad and graduate students this year, go through our Women in Sports Tech Summer Fellowship, where they either craft their own internship or work with a company to create their own internship and ultimately help their career moving forward and be as impactful as possible. Yeah, that's so amazing. I think it just kind of goes along with everything that this podcast is trying to do and just kind of open that space up to women. Because as you said, like sports and technology are both kind of female unfriendly places. But I would love to move into kind of what you did after college and how that related um, to women's women in sports tech. Yeah. So coming from this nonprofit, I knew I wanted to enter into the sports tech world. I was so empowered. I had a board and advisory group of powerhouse women who were supporting me. So I joined a company and I'm just as privacy, I won't talk about the the name of the company just because of the experience I had. Um, It's an international company and I was the only um, representative, not just female or male, the only representative on the East Coast. So I was by myself in New York City, out of college. Um, I was working in a WeWork and helping promote one of their products that is direct to consumer. And what we did is it's a tracking device for soccer players. So it's a wearable technology and we help map what's going on on the field to help their game. And I was selling it to very um, up and coming development academies. So I was traveling every week. I was by myself. I was one of two females in the United States. And uh, it was challenging. I had some really horrific experiences um, and I can kind of go deeper into some of those, but it really opened my eyes into female discrimination and um, what that, how that impacts the ability for you to do your job and do it effectively. Yeah, if you don't mind going into those experiences and kind of how that shaped your experience with that company and what that made you kind of look for in the future into a next job. Absolutely. So I went to the United Soccer's Coaches Convention and I was by myself. I had three of my male counterparts, but I was putting on an event a presentation in person to about 30 soccer coaches about our technology and how they can implement it into their teams. The presentation went really well. Um, It was an after conference event. So it was at, it was held at a bar and there was alcohol being served. I was not drinking. I was really just there present, talk about what we can do and leave. And I actually had a coach come up to me who is a division one head coach and say, I think it's in your best interest to come out with me and my friends after this that so that we can talk about business. And I said, I'm okay. Like I'm going to actually go back to my room, but appreciate the offer. And he said, well, that might impact how we look at your company and how we can use you guys moving forward. 
And at that point, he's putting me, me being a female, in a terrible business decision and using, he's kind of blackmailing me to go out with him and probably have some inappropriate things happen just so he holds the business part to me. And that was honestly the the biggest realization. I was like, I can't be in a situation like this. This is not safe for me. This is not right. And this coach is a division one soccer coach. So he knows what he's doing. And if this is happening, um, this is exactly what I stand against. And it really threw me off. Yeah, I think, you know, hearing that, it's just super disappointing. And I think that experience is unfortunately not unique to just you. I think it happens so commonly. I'm so sorry that that ever happened to you. And I just can't imagine, you know, trying to get through this presentation and trying to just be professional and do the best you can while also like representing your company and then be being put in, in, a, in a situation where, you know, you like, what do you, what do you do? You know, it's a double-edged sword. Like you don't go, you know, they're going to hold that against you. You do go, you know, you have to face God only knows what. <sighs> That's just terrible. How did that affect you moving forward? So after that experience, I knew that um, I was going to discuss this with the company and see what their reaction is. So I think that was kind of the deciding factor where I said, this is not the right place for me. I wasn't, I didn't feel as though they were taking it as seriously as I wanted. It also further emphasized that I needed to be in this nonprofit and I need to be vocal about this and help more females. But I wanted to do it in a space that was supportive of them, but also safe for me. So that's why I made the decision to actually leave is because I didn't feel like I had the support system to really say, this is not right. We are going to make sure that this doesn't happen again. So I went more into the advertising space and I work for a another international company called Shuttle Rock. And what we do is we actually do the creative development for brands all across the in any industry you can imagine and actually create six to 15 second ad placements on social platforms. So if you're scrolling through Instagram and you see on your stories or in your feed something eye-catching with music and a call to action, most likely the company did not do that. They outsourced it to a third party and that is exactly what we do. So we work at mass scale and I get to work with the most incredible companies, but really have a creative space to tell a short story that is in an authentic way and hopefully grab the attention of the user. Yeah, so that obviously is super cool and I think it's like very, very relevant. Um, I know me and my roommate actually just bought masks off Instagram that like were advertised to us and we're like, you know, like they just know. They, they just know. know. They do. Um, but kind of a question off that that I had, do you miss working in sports at all? I do. So sports, being an athlete and growing up as someone who played every sport known to man, I really miss the part of being on top of the sport culture and having that kind of casual but professional atmosphere because that's what sports really brings is this, you work hard, but it's not put on your suit and tie, but or for a girl, don't put on your, um, your jacket and blouse. 
And I do miss that part. And I miss being able to talk about sports and their relevance. And um, so, yes, but I don't miss the the culture that comes with it. And that's unfortunate for me to say, but it's true. And I hope it can change. Yeah, I think, unfortunately, that is something that a lot of people face. I think it's at all levels. I think as an athlete, you face it. I'm sure, you know, you know that as well. And then obviously career-wise and there are some things changing I feel like a lot of companies now are employing more women which is the first step but as you mentioned there's still a lot of discrimination harassment things that go on that make it a very uncomfortable and unwelcoming environment to women so you know baby steps but hopefully we can just take a big leap we'll see um you've had kind of a crazy six months at what point did your life go from, you know, just a normal day at work to all of a sudden, you know, I'll let you kind of take it over. Yeah. So before I kind of jump to the main thing, I started to experience some weird symptoms, I would say right after the new year. Uh, my hip, actually my other hip, not the one I tore, began began flaring up some issues. So I thought nothing of it. I went to a physical therapist I was getting it looked at and it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And then I would say fast forward to mid-February, my family and I went on a skiing trip and I was getting sore everywhere. I mean, it, it seemed like I had just done the craziest weight session of my life. I couldn't walk. And I was like, this is just not right. Something's a little off here. Why is my body responding in this way? Then come March, I started to wake up and have this chest pain. Now, mind you, March is when COVID was really starting to pick up in the U.S. And so I was like, I'm having chest pain. I'm not able to breathe very well. I need to go to the ER. So made the decision. I went to the ER and they took a CAT scan. They took my blood work and everything looked normal. So... (laughs) The only thing that showed on this CAT scan was a discoloration in my bone marrow, which as an athlete isn't super uncommon. So we went back, uh, I went back to work in New York, um, didn't think much of it. And actually my my dad is in sales for classical Hodgkin's lymphoma. And there were certain signs that things weren't adding up. One of the biggest was I had two experiences of night sweats. And most people sweat at night, but there is a difference between like, oh, I get hot and like, no, my bed is wet. This is just, <laughs> that's that's not normal. So um, I went to, I went back home to Pennsylvania and I got a biopsy just to rule out the scary things, quote unquote, what my doctor said. Let's just get a biopsy to rule out. He was not concerned anything was wrong. And so I actually went back to New York after this. I had to wait 10 days for the biopsy to come back. And on March 11th, walking home from work on a Wednesday night, um, just like any other night, I was walking home. I got up to my apartment. I was by myself, and I knew this this call from my doctor was coming, but I was not concerned, even in the slightest. And I'll never forget answering the phone and having him say hello, and I knew. 
like you you can tell in someone's voice if something's okay and I could hear in his voice something was not okay and he said you have cancer um, and it's lymphoma and I just melted to the ground and I put my phone on mute and I just screamed and that's when my world just turned upside down that that story just like absolutely gave me chills I just can't even imagine like you're living life you're in your early 20s like you know how in the world were you ever supposed to expect that you had cancer and how did you deal with that news what were the first things running through your head what were those first couple days like for you well I got the news at 6 p.m and by 9 p.m my mom and dad had driven from Pennsylvania to New York to pick me up I wasn't in a state to spend a night alone I did have two other roommates who were back in the room with me and who were so supportive I mean no one knows what to say that's the biggest thing this is so out of the blue you only hear about this in like friends of friends that this happened so no one knows how to react to a situation like this my parents didn't I didn't my friends so how I reacted was I shut down my whole body just didn't know what to do and it turned off and it kind of went into this numb state that I don't know how to describe other than how am I going to do this? Why was it me? How on earth is a healthy, athletic, like happy girl at 24 years old diagnosed with this? And at the time, I did not know what stage I was at. So I was really confident after a few days, I was like, okay, I have cancer, but like what stage? Because I'm going to get through this. So I got the news a week later, I was stage four. And I must admit that rocked me almost harder than even the initial diagnosis. Because when you hear those words, it's nine times out of 10, a death sentence. And I am so lucky to say that lymphoma does not carry the same weight when you say stage four. But at the time, I did not know that. How am I supposed to know what stage and what probability I am going to survive this? So that rocked me even harder than imagined. Well, what I find really interesting is how you're talking about how this really rocked you and how tough this was for you and how much of an inspiration you've actually been to everyone around you. Your social media is nothing but positive and it's just, you know, I wanted, I have to tell you this too, the whole podcast team um, was like, make sure you tell Nina that she's such an inspiration to us. And like, we literally love her. Like we haven't even met her, but we wish we could. Um, but that's the type of vibe you give off to everyone. You've had so many people follow your journey. You've had so many former Carolina athletes um, post about you. I've seen it everywhere. How did you finally kind of take that internal sadness and turn it into what you have, which is this overflowing positivity and great outlook on life. So a few days after I learned I stage four, I had to make a decision and it was in my power to choose whether to suffer through this or to find optimism. 
And every single human being has that choice. No matter what is given to you and what struggle you're given, you have a choice on how to react. So I chose, I had to be positive, not only for my mental state, but for those surrounding me. And I stayed true to that positivity every single day. And it changed the trajectory of my treatment and ultimately of my success coming out of this. So I had to make that choice and it wasn't easy. There were days that sucked, but every single day I saw this is an opportunity to find joy. I get to experience life in a different way. I get to see a new perspective and actually dance with death in a way that was effective because it makes life impermanent. I mean, we don't ever think about our lives ending until we're faced with it. And it actually gives you a perspective that can change you for such the better. And that's why I'm, I, it's crazy to say this out loud, but I am so grateful that this happened to me. I mean, I, I get to look at life in a different perspective. I get to find joy in some of the smallest things. And I would never have had that if I didn't get this diagnosis. Wow, you literally could make me cry, Nina. That's just such a, a great way to look at it. And I think your positivity is just so inspiring. Um, to go through this, I just, I can't imagine the strength that it must must have taken. And bouncing off that, do you think athletics helped prepare you or in what capacity did being an athlete help you prepare for something so mentally and physically taxing as beating cancer? Well, you hit the nail on the head. It's the mental and physical aspect of training every single day, competing and facing your fear through athletics. I mean, I was at it was as if my journey rowing was perfectly positioned to set me up for cancer. It was as if this journey was meant to be because I was given the tools as a rower to face fear, to face competition, to face really hard practices and say, mentally, I will get through this. Physically, I will get through this. And if you don't have that mindset as an athlete, you most likely will not succeed. Every athlete has that instilled in them. So taking that every, I mean, every single day I trained, every single day that was a part of my life. And I got to use every single tool in my box from athletics to conquer cancer. Yeah, that's, that's, that, that makes me feel better about, you know, those days where you wake up and you're like, wow, I, I really don't want to do this. Um, like today was our first day back at practice because of COVID, the delays, and I was like, Whew, haven't seen this time in, in a while, but I think you're so right. I think it can prepare you kind of for anything life throws in your way. I know with the whole pandemic, just taking it day by day and also having such a huge wrench thrown in my plan um, and being able to adapt. I think athletics gives you that ability to just be like, okay, I got to deal with it. I can't sit and complain. You know, it's kind of like when you get a terrible workout or like, you know, a 70 minute steady state on the erg and you're just like, all right, I can think about it and I can make myself cry or I can just do it and shut up. 
And so I think athletics really does prepare you for the worst. <laughs> and I think it was funny how you said rowing specifically um, prepared you because there are days that I'm just like, I, you know, I played soccer my whole life and I'm like, Jesus, we never, like the conditioning and rowing is just, it's next level. It's <laughs> totally next level. And it is. you get to see what your body is capable of. Because a lot of people don't put themselves in a position where you can barely breathe or your muscles are so tired that you don't want to walk. I mean, you're putting yourself in that position as an athlete. And you're also putting that position when you're going through chemotherapy. It just happens that they're similar. So I I was lucky enough to, this wasn't new to me that my body was under a lot of stress and I did know how to adapt. And you hit the nail on the head again by using that word because change is inevitable. And if you can adapt with what's thrown at you and use it in a more positive direction, nothing will break you because you know how to work with what is thrown at you and do it in a way that brings you happiness. Yeah. Um, another question I had along the lines of athletics, I know I mentioned um, there were a lot of former UNC athletes um, like within your class and stuff that have followed your journey. And then obviously the rowing team as well. We've been trying to support you as much as we can at a distance. And um, I would just love to hear your thoughts about how the UNC athletic community or UNC rowing specifically have kind of been there for you. And, and then, yeah. Gosh, I don't even, I can't fully describe how much impact the rowing team has had on my journey. So these girls, whether I've known them or I haven't known them, they know the type of person I am. They know to my core who I am and what I represent. And so they have been able to feel my journey in a way that no other person has and the support that I've gotten I've gotten the most incredible videos you will ever see I got a video of I would say like 24 women on the rowing team who I have never personally met all of them explaining to me how much of an impact I've made on their life I mean that alone will change your perspective I've gotten notes, I've gotten photo albums, I've gotten stuffed animal golden retrievers. I mean, these women are your family and it's established very early on at Carolina and it will carry through no matter what, no matter if you graduate four, 10, 20 years after, they will still be your family and that is the biggest blessing that Carolina athletics can give. Oh, that's so, that's so touching. Um, I had another question as well on what would you deem effective support or, or what advice would you give to someone who might have a friend or family member going through what you're going through? Because I, I know you've mentioned that's something you've wanted to share is how to support someone because it's very hard to know what the heck to do um it's not as it's not super common especially at our age um in your 20s for for this to happen like i said this is not super common and with any grieving with any challenge you want to have a support system that is there for you and so being able to show your support 
in a virtual way because of COVID is challenging. And there are some things I found were so effective. And mainly, this might sound a little weird, but texting or calling and just saying, hey, I'm thinking about you. No need to respond. I just want you to know that I'm thinking of you. Because there's a lot of uh, pressure might be a tough word to say, but there is pressure when you're getting hundreds of messages to respond and to give the energy and make sure that they feel that their voice is heard and your voice is heard. So hearing that they're thinking about you and they're there is very impactful. Um, I think one of the most challenging things is when people start to ask about symptoms or how you're, how are you feeling or what are some of the hard things like nausea. Uh, what's interesting about chemotherapy is triggers are huge when it comes to nausea. So if you think about your chemo day, you almost will throw up. I mean, this is just my own personal experience, but I have heard this a lot. It's really hard to talk about symptoms and how you're feeling because it will bring up like a body experience of what's going on. So it's really nice not always to talk about cancer or the challenge that you're facing. It's nice to talk about something else. But people are curious and I want to be cognizant of being able to share my experience and be open about it, but also not let it dictate every conversation because that's hard to relive every single time yeah and I'm sure you were being inundated with messages so having to probably share that constantly I can't imagine how taxing that might be especially while you're going through chemo and doing all of these things just trying to keep yourself in a good headspace so that information is definitely helpful for anyone listening to this podcast or really anyone in general who's going through Um, this and trying to be a good support uh, system for someone else who is going through the same thing you went through. Another question I have, how has this journey and this part of your story allowed you some different opportunities that maybe you wouldn't have gotten before or maybe um, have, you know, you mentioned before it's opened your eyes to looking at life a different way, but are there other things that you think have come positives that have come out of this situation? Well, there are so many positives. I'm like, the biggest positive is two weeks ago, I learned I'm in remission. So that is, (laughs) I mean, couldn't, I couldn't be happier. I definitely was, definitely was nervous about that. Um, So I'm in remission and I get reached out to by the VP of talent at Ralph Lauren and they said, hey, we've been following your journey. We have a campaign for Pink Pony, which is their nonprofit for cancer research and funding. We're doing the 20th anniversary shoot, and we'd love for you to be a part of it. And I mean, like so many things are cool about that, but being a survivor, being able to say I'm in remission, and then be represented in a way that, I mean, I was the only probably individual under the age of 40 at this shoot. And that was somewhat challenging to see because um, young professional cancer is pretty uncommon, just like cancer in general. But 
um, I was getting represented and actually having my voice heard because it was a video shoot. So I was talking about my experience and opening, opening up a dialogue that isn't talked about too much. And so that was one opportunity that, I mean, totally made me the happiest girl. And also just to be a part of a cool shoot like that, I felt very, very grateful. Yeah, I um, saw that this weekend and I was like, oh, I've got to add that to add that to the questions because that's so cool. And for anyone listening right now, I highly recommend giving Nina a follow on Instagram. Her journey is phenomenal and all of the positivity, as I've mentioned, is re- like really brightens my day. Um, so yeah, thanks for sharing that. That must have been such a cool experience. Well, I think the biggest thing for me is... What I've taken away from my journey as all, and also being a student athlete at Carolina is each person is able to face challenges and every single person will at some point in their life. And if you can bring it back to trying to make that decision on how to react to specific situations and look at it with a glass half full, Carolina teaches you that athletics teaches you that but it's so important to remember those tools when you're faced with adversity and you can make an impact on other people's lives just by choosing joy and I'm so glad I did and I hope for the rest of my life it will stick with me and all of my next decisions will kind of be rooted in choosing happiness and love and self-compassion and you really can't make a wrong decision when those are the ingredients found in that decision. Wow, that's that's so touching. Your positivity just really radiates. Um, I wish I could meet you in person right now um, and we could be together filming this, but even virtually your, your positivity just radiates. But I had a small little surprise from the rowing team. We put together a little statement. Um, so this is from the team. Everyone says, congrats on beating cancer and being in remission. Your Carolina rowing family is inspired by you and your positivity throughout this journey. You are a perfect example of staying relentless. We wish you a healthy and happy future and hope to see you on a launch soon. As you know, you're always welcome. So, Oh, I have tears in my eyes. That means so much to me. Yeah, we've all, we've all been following along your journey. And there was definitely a celebration when you made your most recent news that you're in remission. So congratulations again. Thank you again, Nina. For, for taking the time to come on the podcast. I'm so overwhelmed with joy to have you here. And um, thank you everyone for tuning in to this episode of Bench. This is your host, Jules Makia, and our one- wonderful guest, Nina Luker. Want to share your story? Whether you prefer to share on a podcast, in a video, on a panel, or in a written blog, we cannot wait to hear from you. Just go to U-N-C-U-T chapelhill.com that is uncutchapelhill.com click get involved and then share your story amplifying your voice has never been so easy